you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live Podcast. Meet your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano, our man, Graham Barfield. And uh, it's wet outside, guys. Dude, I know. What's going on, man? Like, I thought I lived in L.A. It's You know what the worst thing about the rain is? Is when you have a big, giant, double-coated dog that needs to go <laughs> out two or three times, no matter if it's pouring rain or not. He gets soaked. You get soaked. I, was, I, I guess it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a huge problem, but it's a major inconvenience. Let's put it that way. I saw that. I thought about that last night. I was sitting out on my balcony and watching somebody take his dog out in the rain, and I was just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Kylo is like so furry, he just gets soaked. And the dog is not smart enough not to go in the puddle or not to sit down in the wet grass. <laughs> and then it becomes a, a major pain in the you-know-what. I mean, Graham, you moved out here from Atlanta, so I, was, I, I imagine yeah. you were just expecting sunshine and, and rainbows all the time. Uh, one thing I quickly discovered, people don't know how to drive in L.A. when it's raining. No. Uh, they don't know how to drive in L.A., period. No. And especially the rain when it it's worse. raining. Yes. I mean, I, Atlanta, it rains like almost every day, especially in the winter. Mm. It's freezing and mm-hmm. rainy and cold every day. But, yeah, one thing... Um, I quickly discovered here is people don't really know how to drive in the rain. No, all that well. no, no and it's, it's been raining for like three days straight here. Blink, and blinkers are optional. And well, yeah. The, the other thing about uh, about Los Angeles in the rain is that, uh, you know, as soon as there are a couple of drops, every news station goes into storm watch. Yeah, Th- this is legitimately like a storm because this thing is lasting. I think it's not supposed to stop raining until like Friday. Friday. Mm-hmm. So I could see storm here, but. Typically, like from the East Coast, you know, I'm from Connecticut. You, you lived on the East Coast most of your life. Like rain is just, it's yeah, just rain. It's a part of your here. Life. It's a storm. Here, yeah, uh, it's a part of your life every day on the East Coast mm-hmm. and on the West <laughs> Coast. Well, now I guess I'm I'm one of them too. You're, you're one of us now. I'm, I'm one yeah. of us. Uh, one of them too. But no, I mean it is genuinely funny that the difference in culture between rain. Oh, I know how it's treated here yep. and how it's treated. Although I will, across the country. Although I will also say this: that those of us from California who were born and raised here, we sort of chuckle whenever there's like a mild tremor on the East Coast, and everybody freaks the. That's yeah, bad. I know. That's actually <laughs> you know, so. So not only dealing with problem. the rain. But the teachers are on strike. Yeah, so we have a guest in the studio. So Matthew's here hanging out playing Fortnite. I know. I'm checking it out. And um, I walked in the studio this morning, and he was sitting in the seat that I typically do. And I just told him, why don't you just do my job? <laughs> <laughs> Go home. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah, oh, man. man. So there's a lot going on. A lot going on, a lot going on, on right now. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if there's, there's a lot going on on the other side of the glass where our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire, is hanging out. Murph, what's up? My favorite thing about this show isn't the fantasy talk. It's now the weekly uh, switch between either the updates on, on the weather in LA <laughs> or, or, or the car chase. Right? By the way, yesterday was there was another one. good one, oh, right? Phenomenal. phenomenal. Right? Was that the one where the woman and stripped down. Oh, wow. Oh, wait. Like, wow. No, wow. I was nowhere near a television yeah, yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't know if that was yesterday or the oh, day before. Monday, Monday. But Right. But yeah. there was one that went on for a while, and then the woman finally stopped. She got out of the car and stripped down, and then the police 
Arrested. Let's do, it was very odd. Let's do like an episode on just, you know, great car chases in L.A. history. My favorite is still the one where the guys threw the cheeseburgers from In-N-Out at the TMZ bus. It was a whole thing. They oh, doing man. Don- doing donuts on Hollywood Boulevard. It was a whole Oh, that thing. was a few years ago, right? Yeah, that was yeah, best. I remember that. That was yeah. like a good two hours at the newsroom did nothing because yeah. we were all staring at that. The, that the one Monday was pretty good. Marcus, if you haven't seen it, you would enjoy the one move inside of like a shopping parking lot. Oh, wow. He makes like a fake left and then just pops a quick right Yui and all, <laughs> like, the, like four cop cars. And they're like, oh no, we just screwed up majorly because this guy just like left. It was it was oh, great. Man, I mean, like we, it's funny in LA we break these things down like they were game film. Yeah, that's exactly what we do. Yep. Uh, all right, pointed to talk about the coaching carousel. At least the head coaching carousel appears to have come to a close. So we'll talk about the three hires or expected hires coming up in just a little bit. And we'll look at some guys that may or may not be retiring and figure out if they have some gas left in the tank, if we would take a chance on them during the 2019 season. We'll look at playoff challenge lineups, do some fantasy daily value picks as well. But to get started, let's do some news. The, news. the big news right now has to do with the right shoulder of Cam Newton. It shut him down early this past season because we could see by the end of the year, he just was not the guy that we were used to seeing. Now there is some speculation that he could possibly miss all of 2019 if he has to have off-season shoulder surgery. Of course, that determination has yet to be officially made. We'll keep an eye on that. But, uh, Fab, Cam Newton, I mean, not only is it big because we'd be missing a guy who is a top-10 fantasy quarterback, but that changes the entirety of that Carolina Panthers offense. Yeah, I know. It probably impacts uh, Christian McCaffrey as well. Yeah, no, no question about that. This is definitely a, a very newsworthy item in the world of fantasy football. And... The thing that I'm concerned that could happen, and we see this with athletes sometime, is that they take the offseason to rest. Mm-hmm. And then when you get closer to camps, suddenly, whatever the ailment is, it ain't right still. And then they decide to have surgery, and then they miss the rest of the, the entire season. So I'm a little bit concerned that that could be the option. I mean, you guys watch the games. Everybody listening to the podcast watch the games. He looked terrible. He looked terrible down the stretch. And I don't know if rest is going to necessarily fix what was ailing him. So big news item. And then right now their backup quarterback. Tyler, Taylor Heineke? Hit him with the Heineke! Yeah, I mean, he's coming off of an elbow injury, too. Right. They're, they're in real tough spot <laughs> here to start the year, the Panthers are. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm, I, obviously, we're all concerned. This could potentially be the Andrew Luck situation all over again. Uh, star quarterback coming off a major shoulder injury who tries to a number of ways to rehab it. Yep. Um, surgery mm-hmm. through rehab. Yeah, obviously. I mean, look, Cam Newton at the start of the year was basically on a career pace. He was having his best year ever in passer rating, um, averaging 9.2 carries per game, uh, easily the most of his career. And then final six, I mean, the Panthers Ugh. lost six straight and Ugh. Cam was. He brutal. couldn't throw the ball 10 yards downfield. He also wasn't running. He was also averaging like just over four. Uh, for rush attempts yep. per game. So, I mean, it's early, obviously. We just have to hope for the best-case scenario. By July, he's like 90%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the goal line opportunities mostly all went to... It was a McCaffrey, by McCaffrey. the McCaffrey, yep. 
Yeah. Which did not suck for Christian McCaffrey. No, no it didn't. It absolutely. Didn't. We, you know, after in a year where we weren't sure if he was going to be able to get those goal line touches, if he was going to be the between the tackles guy, he ended up getting all of those and more. Although, all the touches. Although the guy that you know they could have used in that role is is flourishing now with the Rams. C.J. Anderson. Dude, <laughs> a, 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 you know, a, a Mike Tolbert. <laughs> you know, you wanna, so funny story about that. So you know, C.J. is a good friend of mine, and I'm a huge Cowboys fan. So there was, you know, there was some friction there last week. Uh, I texted him and said, hey, dude, good luck in the game. Take it easy on my team. Because if you guys remember, the last time he played the Cowboys was when he was a Bronco, and he wrecked us. I mean, he made Ezekiel Elliott look like a pedestrian running back. CJ went nuts. And then he goes off and has a huge game. And, I mean, five weeks ago, how shocked would we have all been if someone said, you know what, in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs – the lead back for the Los Angeles Rams will not be Todd Gurley. Well, we figured they would have lost. It's going to be C.J. Anderson. We figured they would have who lost. Who couldn't the... find a team. I mean, I'm proud of him as a friend. I mean, he has absolutely come out and made a statement the way that he's played behind this offensive line and in this offense, and hopefully this is going to get him a guaranteed job next year, whether it's with the Rams or someplace else. But now, what do you hear all over the news about this game? The Rams have a different component this time because they played and lost to the Saints earlier in the season. And what is that component? A running back who everyone online is making fun of because he looks a little heavy. and He's a little, he's a little chunky. A running back who couldn't find a job. And he's now going to be a major component in Sean McVay's offense when they face the Saints. Fantasy football in the NFL is very, very unpredictable, my friends. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, so we talked about the Panthers and their quarterback situation. Could it be that there's one in the pipeline now? Kyler Murray, the Heisman Trophy winner from the University of Oklahoma, has declared his intention to enter the NFL draft. There were some kind of negotiations between Kyler Murray and the Oakland A's who took him in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft this past year. And now Murray has declared that he will enter the NFL draft. There's talk that he could be a, as high as a second round pick. Uh, and, and Graham, this is a guy with an incredible skill set. We saw what he did both throwing and running the football for the Sooners. The knock on him is that he's kind of a smallish guy. He's not a big guy, but the way the, the, the NFL works now, the way these offenses work now, it seems like there is a place for him to at least compete for a starting job right away. Yes, absolutely. The, I think this is probably one of the most interesting storylines to follow in the next four months is like where Kyler goes, right? Because, I mean, we've, we've seen reports that he could go as early as top 10, top 15. Um, and Giants. Ostensibly probably would not have left baseball if he did not know within a shadow of a doubt that he'd be a top 50 pick. Mm. Um, I think that's kind of the floor for him. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's, it's such an interesting case study because we have 13 starts to work with off Murray. Um, If we've learned anything over the past couple of years, it's that uh, your time in college starting matters. Um, And there've been multiple studies that have shown this too, like games started really matter in the NFL, uh, excuse me, games started in college as it relates to projecting in the NFL really matters. Um, and Kyler only has four, 13, 14 right. starts under his belt, and he's 5'11". Which, you know, I mean, you, you talk about number of starts. I mean, that was a thing. I go back to Mark Sanchez. He didn't have a ton of starts in college. Uh, I mean, wh- I, who else can we go through? I went back and looked, like, um, basically over the last, like, 30 years, quarterbacks drafted in the top, like, couple of rounds with less than 15 starts has basically been Cam Newton, Mitchell Drubisky, and Mark Sanchez. That's it. Right. And I mean— so one of the we know Cam we we kind of know what Cam's career arc but, is. But here's the thing: Cam is a total freak, man. Like, right, right. He is 
he he's broken so many roles in terms of quarterback <laughs> play over the over the course and duration of his career. Uh-huh. He's had such an awesome awesome career. Trubisky, the the you know jury's still out, and Mark Sanchez had a couple good years with he the was, Jets, but now he's but he was for a backup, kind of a jag, you yeah, know. I mean, yeah. so so yeah, this this remains to be seen. But we know Kyler Murray, and look. I will say this as a guy who grew up cheering for the A's and wanting to see the A's succeed. <laughs> like I will say that it, it kind of sucks, but as somebody who likes to see athletes maximize their earning potential, yes. I appreciate it. Go for it. Go do it. And look, if, if it doesn't work out in the NFL, baseball will still be there. You know, I've been talking about this too. It's like, what if he just prefers football? Like that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like why not? Why doesn't he just prefer football? I mean, he obviously went back to Oklahoma f- for his final year to play for a reason. Right. Because he likes football. Right. So, he's got a chance to start after Baker Mayfield. So, yeah, hey, good on him to, uh, you know, kind of take this opportunity. And like I said, if, if it doesn't work out in the NFL, baseball will still be there. We, we have seen it before, so we, we could possibly see it again. Uh, down in Jacksonville, things did not end well this season for Leonard Fournette, or for the Jaguars as a whole. But now, Leonard Fournette, Tom Coughlin, they've had a meeting. They've cleared the air. Everything seems to be okay, I guess. But now there's talks also that the Jaguars have interviewed John Filippo, and he looks like he's going to be the guy who takes over as the offensive coordinator there. We were talking about this before we started recording the podcast this morning. This seems to signal that maybe they're going to change the way they do business offensively down there, and maybe Fabs and Leonard Fournette's not going to be the centerpiece of this offense anymore? Mm, I mean... Who's your quarterback? I mean, the wide receivers, you got some good pieces there, but what's the quarterback situation right now? Speculation, Nick Foles, you know, you could you could sort of, you know, uh, tie him to DeFilippo, of course, uh, in Philadelphia. But I, I would still think Fournette's going to be the centerpiece of this. The, the way that they built this team was ground and pound, play really good defense and run the ball and control the control the clock, time of possession. And this was just a lost season for me, for Fournette, and for a lot of fantasy owners out there. And I think the big concern for fantasy fans going into 2019 is durability. Because Fournette has always seemed to be nicked up. He missed a lot of time this season with the hamstring injury. Uh, and then you had the nonsense at the end of the season where he got into the altercation in the Bills game. And then uh, he, he and uh, TJ Yeldon had a, had a bit of a, a hissy fit there on the sidelines late in the season. And um, that's where this whole conversation with Coughlin came in. I, he, he's probably a second rounder next season. Mm-hmm. But I would really expect that he, if he can remain free of injuries, which has been a problem, he's going to see far enough touches to be an RB1. But there's just a lot of question marks about him. Yeah, I mean... Injuries, attitude. I mean, you know, Graham, him saying he didn't come in or he could have been in better shape this year, that's not going to... That's not going to make people, uh, you know, excited about him. But... Mm -hmm. Especially for a player who's dealt with ankle foot problems for the last couple years. Mm -hmm. I mean, mean, the question is that he's there. I mean, you know, will Carlos Hyde still be there next year? What's going to happen in that backfield? Yeah. Let's not forget, too, the Jags had to play 10 starting offensive linemen this year, including one of which was Eric Flowers. <laughs> I mean, they got destroyed on the offensive line. They were actually one of the healthiest teams in the NFL, and it actually really helped their playoff run. In Yeldon's a free agent also coming up, right? So Yeah, Yeldon is an unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, their offensive line fell apart. Blake Bortles fell apart. Leonard Fournette literally <laughs> fell apart. I mean, right. everything. Even that defense. I mean, that defense was the top defense in fantasy football last season, and this year... I don't know if they were in the top 15. They no, were they, they were, were pretty not. bad. No team, they were pretty bad. No team needed the offseason more than the Jags did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah. I mean, everything everything went sideways for the yep. Jacksonville Jaguars in, yep. in 2018. So we'll see if they can put it back together. And, and Leonard Fournette, one way or another, will likely be uh, a big part of that. Uh, we will stay down in the state of Florida. Bruce Arians says he wants Deshaun Jackson to stick around with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, Arians taking over as the head coach. Uh, we've got uh, Byron Leftwich expected to be the play caller down there. And, I mean, when when Deshaun Jackson signed with the Buccaneers a couple of years ago, a lot of people, myself included, looked at this and said, man, this is this is going to be huge. I mean, you got him with Jameis. You put him on the other side of Mike Evans. Uh, you know, they've got a tight end. They, they didn't have O.J. Howard at the time, but Cameron Brait had emerged as a guy down there. We thought, man, this is this is it. This is really going to take things off. It didn't happen mostly because Jameis struggled to connect with Deshaun Jackson down the field. I mean, it was amazing. I didn't think anybody could actually consistently overthrow Deshaun Jackson, but Jameis Winston <laughs> did. So, I mean, I, I asked Graham, like, is a new play caller going to make the difference? Or is this just a matter of two players who just can't, for whatever reason, seem to connect with one another? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, you would, think, you would think Deshaun Jackson would be, like, one of the most perfect receivers for Jameis Winston in his throwing style, especially mm-hmm. how he likes to throw the ball down the, down the field, especially early and down distance. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. Look, in 2019, DJX will be 33. Um, they can save $10 million um, if they cut him pre-June 1. Mm-hmm. He'll obviously get a new restructured deal if he comes back for maybe a one-year deal. But, it, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Bruce Arians and Jameis Winston and Deshaun Jackson, it just kind of seems like... It, in common sense, like if you're just trying to make sense with your head, like those three are perfect for each other. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, D-Jax <laughs> and Jameis has struggled as a deep, as a deep ball thrower. And it's kind of seemed like D-Jax has been a little bit combustible. It's, it's a certainly really interesting situation, but again, like I'm going to go back and be all in on D-Jax again in 2019. So you're going to buy, st- if you're he's still there, Jameis is still there. And they obviously have Bruce. I'm, I'm yeah. Be back See, man, uh, I, I want, I'm waiting for the Chris Godwin break. That's, that's, what, yeah. that's what I'm. That's, that's going to throw a bit of a wrench into that situation. I think that's kind of what deep down everybody in fantasy wants is yeah. the Djax to move on, um, and go back to the Eagles, mm-hmm. and then we can all play Chris Godwin, <laughs> Chris Godwin uh, copiously. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's my big fear is that he just blocks Chris Godwin mm-hmm. for another year and it kind of messes that whole thing up. Uh, last bit of news: Mark Ingram says he is not looking to just leave New Orleans. Obviously, he missed the start of this year because of a. Suspension. Even when he got on the field, it was still very much the Alvin Kamara show this year. Last year, I think the two sort of split touches fairly evenly. This year, it was a lot more of Alvin Kamara. And so it, it sort of makes me wonder, Fabs, if Ingram does come back next year, um, how far down? I mean, does he drop another round or two just because he wasn't getting the kind of usage rates that we saw from him in, say, 2017? I can't see him as a top 50 pick, that's for sure. And um, he, he's a guy who's going into his age 29 season. And I don't know that – did the Saints pay him? I mean, he's a good back. Right. He, he's got he's got the potential, uh, we already know, to be a featured back in the NFL. We've seen it in the past. And I, I think we talked about – Arians in the Bucks. Oh, I'd like to see him in that backfield. I mean, I would love to see him in that backfield. It, it, to me, that would be a, a really good fit for him. But I, I don't know if the Saints are going to pay him. I mean, do they bring him back, or do they just use Taysom Hill as their backup running back, like they do with everything else? <laughs> I know all all the, all the Taysom Hill truthers were like going out of their minds when he had that touchdown that got brought back by the by the penalty uh, this past weekend. I know, but yeah, I, see, 
as a selfish and as a fantasy analyst and as a fantasy owner, we're all selfish. We don't want running back sharing carries. So I'm thinking Ingram, featured role, Tampa Bay has an opening, unless they believe in Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones. I don't know. But I'd love to see him go somewhere where he can actually be a guy who can catch 50 passes out of the backfield and see 18 to 20 touches per game. And I don't know if the Saints are going to sign a guy who's, you know, one year away from 30, the dreaded 30 years old uh, for running backs, especially for a guy like, uh, like, like Ingram, who earlier in his career, you know, had dealt with some injuries. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 interesting because you're right. I think all the things sort of stack against him getting certainly getting a long term deal right. in New Orleans. Um, and I wonder, Graham, if they do, do they, you know, haven't taken a good look at the free agent market yet or if they go out in the draft, because we've seen the trend of teams, especially at the running back position to kind of go cheaper, younger, if possible. I mean, you know, I know there's the whole running backs don't matter crowd on Twitter, whatever. But th- the fact is. Teams aren't they're not going to spend big money on an aging running back, especially when they can get guy a guy who can give them similar production for a lot cheaper, either, like I said, in the draft or out in free agency right now. And to that point, too, this is kind of a interesting kind of free agent class for a number of reasons for running backs. I mean, obviously, Le'Veon Bell. uh, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) will command a market. Mark Ingram's going to command a market. Um, I don't know, man. I, I kind of think he comes back to New Orleans on like a team-friendly deal, like a one- or two-year deal. But all of these deals at this point, especially for running backs, are team-friendly, and I mm-hmm. think that's surely where Ingram will go. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that, as with all the other things we just talked about in this section. And that is pretty much everything you need to know. That was the news. All right. We will spin the coaching carousel. And I, I guess the, the ride might pretty much be over, it appears. The, the last time we talked to you, there were still three openings available. It appears that those three have all been settled. First, uh, the well, the one that we know for sure that was announced and has been, uh, you know, uh, all done. Uh, the Jets. They brought in Adam Gaze, who formerly of the Miami Dolphins. He is their new head coach, which. I sort of laugh at the AFC East teams not named the Patriots playing this weird roulette with all these coaches. Right. You know, Rex Ryan going from one spot to another. Adam Gaze going from one spot to can another. We get, can we get into what in the hell was going up on with, with his, his eyes? eyes? It's the greatest. It's the newest meme on Did you see uh, the one Twitter. with the taco? Like, he's following the taco. Like I've seen that one. I've seen a bunch of, like, blowfish. What? It's, my, it's my, weird. What the heck, my man? Question is, it's why, creepy. How did this slip under the table? You know what I mean? Like, like how have we not <laughs> seen this before? Yeah. For so long. How, how did we, we not, not know this? Notice? Right? <laughs> how have we not noticed this guy Which, goes into a press conference and his eyes start like, I don't know, like dude, rolling out of his head almost? Like, I don't know. So Which, weird. I guess it shows you how much we paid attention to Dolphins press conferences, I guess. Yeah. I guess. But somebody out there's got a lot of time on their hands are looking back at every single press conference the Dolphins have ever had with Gaze and seeing if they can see the eyeball movement. I mean, it was just I, so odd. I do wonder if it was like a nervous, like a nervous tick for him, because I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's got to be right. It I would, has to be a nervous. I tick. would think that before we would have seen like there, this yes. would have been a meme right. long before right. uh, the other day. And maybe it's not good that the talk of Adam Gay signing with the Jets is that his eyeballs <laughs> are are a little odd. And I think people in Miami and I have some friends who are Dolphins fans are all laughing right now. They're I mean, like, so, take them. so I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, this was a team that. <laughs> 
they they spend their first round draft pick on Sam Darnold, right? He's supposed to be the future at quarterback. They they've got some decent young. I mean, you know, he and Robbie Anderson seem to be a thing at the end of the year. Chris Herndon came out of nowhere. It was the first time in you know recent memory that the Jets had anything resembling a a respectable tight end. Now you bring in Adam Gase, who, you know, a few years ago was this offensive genius, was supposed to get things going down in Miami, and it, mm-hmm. it never really happened. You know, things fell apart. They, they ended up dealing Jay Ajayi because things didn't go well. Ryan Tannehill, a combination of just injuries and just not performing well, never blossomed into this quarterback that the Dolphins thought he could be. Uh, you know, we, we've been waiting for years for the Devontae Parker breakout. It just, offensively, it just never came together in Miami the way we thought. I mean, Graham, if you are a Jets fan, you have to be at least a little bit concerned about this right now. A lot of the, I, I guess you could say, excuses that people would make for Adam Case go along the lines of everything you just said. Ryan Tannehill was never 100% healthy, which is true. Mm-hmm. Devontae Barker never broke out, which is true. Their offensive line has always been up and down. This year was actually one of their best years. Laramie Tunsil was fantastic this year. Um, Gase certainly didn't have a lot to work with in Miami, but the facts are simple. I mean, he ran one of the slowest and most inefficient offenses in the NFL for three straight years. Uh, the Dolphins were bottom four in football outsiders' pace of play, seconds in between play for three straight years. They've been bottom five in yards uh, gain per possession in two of the last three. Um, and in 2016, the one year that they weren't uh, was the year that Tannehill, they made the playoffs, Tannehill got hurt, and they had to play Matt Moore against the Steelers and got stomped. Um, this is just such an uninspiring hire for me. It is. It's just so <laughs> uninspiring. And, and the thing that people don't bring up, and maybe they haven't, I just haven't listened to them, but, I mean, Gase's offenses as as an OC head coach were top four two years in a row, and who was his quarterback in Denver? Peyton Manning, right. who didn't need a coach. Okay, the man kind of his own can go out there and do it all by himself. Since he has been separated from Peyton Manning, his offenses in terms of passing yards per game, 23rd, 26th, 16th, and 26th, okay? Sometimes a coach can make the personnel better, all right? We're seeing that with Sean McVay and Jared Goff. Sometimes the personnel makes the coach look better than he is, and that's exactly what's going on with Adam Gase. He has been a mediocre or worse OC or head coach since he has been separated from Peyton Manning, and that is fact. I also just wonder if you're the Jets, you were in the same division, right? I mean, you watched this first. You now saw the this, Dolphins know exactly. You what saw the Jets this are gonna team. Run. <laughs> you saw this Dolphins team come to your house once a year. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of confused by it, and I think you know. I, I wonder if, if you are Sam Donald. I know Donald has said all the great things that they Facetimed and everything seemed cool, and he's excited about the opportunity. I mean. What else is he really going to say publicly about his new head coach coming in? It just I would be concerned about his development and, and the development of that offense uh, around him with, with Adam Gaze there. You know, what's going to happen because it's the Jets like McCarthy is going to end up getting a job next year uh, in 2020. And that team is going to end up going on and having success. And the Jets are going to look back and think, damn, <laughs> could have been us. He wanted to take the year could've, off. Could have been <gasps> us. Could've Darn been it. us. Um So now the other two openings are expected hires because the guys that are expected to get the job are still coaching in the playoffs. One is the Bengals. They are looking to get Rams quarterback coach Zach Taylor, who kind of fits the mold of uh, he's a guy who stood next to Sean McVay for an hour. It's crazy. It's like. Sean McVay's college roommates, teammates on the football team, his cousin 
is going to get signed by <laughs> an NFL team for an offensive position. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like this, this coaching tree that McVay has put out there. I mean, it's unreal. I mean, Zach Taylor had no success in Cincinnati. I mean, at the university of Cincinnati, he had none. I mean, I'm, I, 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 I don't, the, the Bengals are going to the, the, it's a copycat league, right? They had, they had Marvin Lewis for what, 15, 16 years, whatever it was. And it was the same thing every single year. They're going the complete opposite now. If they went Hugh Jackson, everyone in Cincinnati would have went nuts. Okay, no one wants Hugh. They bring in or they're expected to bring in a guy with very little NFL experience who in college as an OC was mediocre at best. But they are trying like heck to follow in the footsteps of the teams, and in particular the Rams, who went out and took a chance on a young offensive mind because that's what the NFL is doing now. And that's what we're seeing. That's how... Kingsbury gets a job. I mean, that that's 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 what we're seeing now in the NFL. In a couple of years, it'll be different. But right now, everyone's trying to get that young head coach with the offensive mind. I mean, with with Cliff Kingsbury, right? And, and I know the the record was not great at Texas Tech. He had a losing record there, but at least he had a track record of putting up offense. I mean, Graham, I know Zach Taylor. He was the interim OC in Miami for a year. Uh, he's been an OC in college, but I just feel like he. You want to talk about small sample size. I feel like we have a really small sample size Wicked with Zach small, Taylor yeah. as an offensive coordinator. So I just don't even know what to expect from him in Cincinnati. Neither do I. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's okay to not, not know what's going right? to happen. Yep. I have no idea. Look, I, I mean, he spent four years under Joe Philbin. Mm-hmm. And then that final year, like you mentioned, he was the interim OC under Dan Campbell. Remember that? Song? Oh, yeah. Dan Campbell. Dan, PC, PC principal from Philbin, South Park. Yeah. Philbin got <laughs> uh, delayed there. Uh, I think Philbin got fired after like the first four or five games that year. Um, anyway, yeah, Dan Campbell, he was the OC under Dan Campbell that <laughs> followed McVay to L.A. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I really don't know. I mean, uh, the Bengals yeah. are such an interesting case study because, I mean, Dalton will ostensibly be back. A.J. Green's going to be back, but he's been held. Dalton's been not that much younger than Zach <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean, I, I guess, I guess, look, as long as they hand the ball to Joe Mixon, and right. they throw the ball to A.J. Green. That's all we care about. Then I guess it's okay, right? I mean, Zach Taylor's smart enough to figure that part out, yeah. right? In, uh, in 2016, when he was the, uh, the OC of the Bearcats, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, that offense received a grade of 66.4, which was 109th out of 130 schools. <laughs> I mean, there's not, there's not a lot on his resume, and what is on his resume does not point to a guy who deserved to be a head coach in the NFL. Man. I, I think if we've learned anything with this head coaching period hire, if I may just real quick, yeah, um, it's that teams aren't necessarily desperate for a new, like this new innovative head coach. Like everybody's obviously looking for the new Sean McVay. It's that these teams are just like going in and – allowing these guys who basically have had very little or no play calling experience in the NFL. And they just crush the interviews. They just go in there and absolutely smash the interviews and make it. I mean, they, they, they show it. I'm just, I have to think at least they're showing in these interviews that they're forward thinking and they're right. willing to innovate, which is the difference between Zach Taylor and someone like Mike McCarthy, who's going to go in there, he's going to call his scheme. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to call his plays. Adam Gase is going to call, go into New York, and he's going to fit, try to fit his scheme into those players. Where now we have these kind of new age of head coaches, where Zach Taylor, hopefully Cliff Kingsbury, do some things that at least help the quarterback facilitate the offense, as opposed to the coach just 
running the scheme and trying to facilitate the team. And I, I think you're on to something there, Graham. I, I do think I think what we have seen from the coaches who are successful, whether it is a Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan or whomever, is more of a willingness to fit your offense around the personnel as opposed to, you know, old school coaches where like you would, you really would square peg round hole it. Hugh Jackson is the perfect, perfect example of it. He could, he could not call his offense because he didn't have his players like that. That is not an excuse in today's NFL. Mm -hmm. That's not an excuse. Right. Because not everybody's going to have a good offensive line. Actually, everyone pretty much has a bad offense playing for like five teams. <laughs> I mean, it's just a ridiculous excuse. Um, well, and especially you, when Freddie Kitchens takes it over yeah. and, and does good things with it. Right. Of course. I mean, yeah, it's just it's it is nice to see that the NFL this year has been kind of like the turning point year where we finally seen these front offices and decision makers and owners say, you know what, we actually want to do something a little different. Yeah. It's great. I, yeah. I'm all for it. I still have no idea what to expect. We have no that idea. It's I'm work. excited for it, as a, but as I don't a, know what to say. Right, as a fantasy analyst, we, we love this. Yeah, they're bringing in all these offensive yes. guys. Hey. Maybe one or two of them will hit. Probably most of them won't. But it's going to be fun to see uh, what these guys bring to the table here uh, this this upcoming season and moving forward. Well, I'm going to be a downer now because the Dolphins are going defense. Yeah. Uh, Adam Gaze leaves Miami, goes to New York. So Miami is expected to hire from within the division and bring in Patriots' Brian Flores, who's technically the linebacker coach, but is also sort of assistant defensive coordinator, if you will. So he is expected to take over as the head coach in Miami whenever the Patriots run in the postseason ends, whenever that might be. So... I mean, we, we tend to know that when defensive coaches come in, that's the side of the ball that the team focuses on. That's where they try to build up. And this was a team in Miami that had a, a sputtering offense to begin with. They, they didn't use Kenyon Drake, when, which baffled us all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Devontae Parker never really breaking out. Ryan Tannehill likely is not going to be back next year. So, you know. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about, you know, would this be a never Dolphins sort of year? Yeah. And, and it, it is looking more and more like this might be a never Dolphins. They're lining up to be potentially one of the five most unattractive offenses from a fantasy perspective Ugh. in the league. Quarterback situation is a question mark. The running back situation is a question mark. I know Gore wants to come back for 2019. Who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll be their future <laughs> bad guy. I have no idea. There, there's not a wide receiver on the roster that excites you. Uh, Mike Gesicki, who a lot of people were excited about coming out of college, uh, kind of tanked in his rookie season, but that that's part of the course yeah, with most right. tight ends. So, you know, he could have some upside moving forward. But there is just not a lot to like on this offensive team. Not a lot at all. Uh, so... I don't really know what to say about that beyond that. We're, we're, we're a long way we, from, <laughs> from Dan Marino and the Marx Brothers. That's for sure. So that remains to be seen. But it appears that the head coaching carousel, at least for now, is done spinning. We still have assistants and coordinators being hired and interviewed all over the place. And, and certainly as uh, we go throughout the spring and summer, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about how that's going to work out. But uh, it looks like all the top jobs are locked up and spoken for in the National Football League. Um. I was looking and saw, you know, this is the time of year where, you know, guys who are of a certain age uh, are talking about whether or not they're going to come back and play for another season. And I looked at four guys who are who have been up there, who are up there in age or have you know taken a lot of lumps and about whom retirement is maybe being whispered and thinking, OK, if these guys come back. Do they have enough left in the tank that you would consider drafting them? And maybe where you consider drafting them. So I got four guys on this list. Want to get your takes on them. The first one, Rob Gronkowski, who hasn't been in the league maybe as long as the other names I have on my list, but has certainly 
taken a physical beating. I mean, there's no way around that. And we saw at the end of last season or end of, end of this season, rather, he did not look like the same Gronk we were used to seeing. He only caught one pass. Now, mind you, he did a great job blocking. That was the story uh, you know, against the Chargers on Sunday was how well he blocked and, and moved that helped move that offensive line along. But as term, in terms of being that pass catching threat, just wasn't the same guy. If he comes back and he says he's not really thinking about retirement, uh, I mean, Fab, we, we know the tight end position is is pretty awful. Weak. So I would <laughs> imagine he's still going to be a top three or four tight end off the board. But I think the days of, of us talking about him as like a second round pick oh, dude. are long gone. Now. I mean, top 50 pick that that's that's going to be the question. I don't know that he goes in the in the first five rounds of a 10 team draft. Um, but you're right. The tight end position is so weak. And even after like Eric Ebron went in and had such a monster season with the Colts, I mean, is he a lock to get drafted ahead of Rob Gronkowski with with Jack Doyle coming back? Uh, I, I don't know. But because the tight end position is so bad, it was so bad. Uh, O.J. Howard will definitely be a guy that I'll be targeting at that position uh, next season, especially uh, with Arians there. But that it, it, it's, it's going to come down to name value, mm-hmm. weak position. He's still going to end up being the tight end one. I mean, that's that's a lock. And if he does come back, I would not be surprised. I mean, Kelsey's going to go ahead of him. Ertz is going to go ahead of him. Kittle's going to go ahead of him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then it's just such may, a may, maybe Ebron. It's maybe just, it's such a top heavy position right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I really don't know. I mean, Gronkowski. I mean, he hasn't been right all year. I mean, he he has been yeah. way less. Had three touchdowns. Yes, he he's been way. He was way less than 100. percent Going back and even watching him like week two, week three, he's just not been the same player all year. And that's the scary part, right? Is like he's just hit this age cliff where all of these injuries, back yeah, elbow, dude. ACL, yeah. everything's just caught up with him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, and heck, what about his teammate Tom Brady? Yeah. You want to talk about another guy who started to fall off? Yeah. Well, where does he get drafted? It's just gonna be a cost thing with Gronk, right? I mean. If he does come back, if he's a seventh or eighth round pick, I, I think we could all say we'd nibble. I mean, I'd be sure. lying. I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely would. I think the other part of that, awesome. though, that that you talk about, you know, with Brady and and what what is in store for him next year is that this became a run heavy offense this year. I mean, it, it was just not the same. They they relied a lot on Sony Michelle. Uh, when they threw the ball, a lot of times it was dump-offs to James White. Uh, I mean, we saw, what do you call it, 15, 16 passes against the Chargers over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, he had 16 <laughs> targets for less than 100 yards. <laughs> right. Like That's insane, dude. Right. Um, so, I mean, the, the nature of the offense has changed as well. Gronk is not the vertical threat that he once was. This offense is not the vertical passing offense that it once was. And I think that's something to, to take into account when when you're looking at drafting pretty much any Patriots, but especially Rob Gronkowski next year. Yeah, and uh, I posted my 150 fantasy facts, mm-hmm. which is up from 101 in the past. The research guys really helped me put on some good stuff. Tom Brady, 29 touchdown passes, his fewest he's had in a full season since 2013. He averaged 17.5 fantasy points per game this season, which is his lowest since 2014. He finished with fewer than 18 fantasy points in six of his last eight games, averaged 15 points during that time. I mean, father time comes for everybody everybody. except for Frank Gore. And he's he he's knocking on Tom Brady's doorstep from a fantasy perspective. Uh, by the way, if we want to talk about, I mean, we we talked a lot about the tight end position this year and, and how it wasn't great. But the 
pal Scott Pianowski from Yahoo put it in, I think, a good perspective on Twitter. He said uh, three. We saw three of the best eight tight end seasons of the decade, four of 14. It was just the middle class, kind of that middle tier of guys that really kind of stunk it up. And that's what that's what left us disappointed. I mean, we had Kelsey Kittle, Ertz, you know, maybe even Ebron you could put in that group that that had really good years. Everybody else just kind of left us wanting. So we'll see. Uh, Another tight end who is definitely a lot more aged than Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Gates. He he came back early in the season after Hunter Henry went down with an injury and was not close to being the Antonio Gates we were used to. We saw the Chargers target him late in the season. Uh, We saw them target him in some weird situations, too, in that game against New England. It was it was sort of odd, but. He says he wants to come back and play again. Now, whether or not that's with the Chargers remains to be seen. Uh, he was not a guy that people were checking for really this past year. And Graham, I can't imagine people are going to be clamoring to draft Antonio Gates next year if he's if he's back. Please, God, if you're listening, <laughs> give us one healthy year of Hunter Henry. Please, please. I know. with Philip Rivers still in his prime, give us one healthy year of Hunter Henry, and I will yep. be happy. Yeah, he, I mean he's gonna, he's <laughs> going to be on every fantasy analyst breakout list. For 2019, every every single one. That he'll be, you know, he'll be fantasy comeback player of the year right. candidate. He'll be a every, breakout candidate. Yep. All of that. Everyone's going to be all in on Hunter Henry, especially with how bad the tight end position was overall this season. Hunter Henry or Rob Gronkowski? I think that's a no brainer. Right? Oh, it's a no brainer. Yeah. I think it's, it's a no brainer. Hunter Henry all yeah, day. It's double H. So I would say this. I mean. So maybe there is a little bit of hope for depth, right? I mean, we know the top three guys, Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz in some form there. Um, You know, hopefully Hunter Henry is back and healthy again. Hopefully we can get a full, at least semi-healthy season from Greg Olson, although Cam Newton's availability may impact that somewhat. Uh, You know, David Njoku continues to develop from what we saw this past year. Uh, You know, O.J. Howard can stay healthy for a full year. Maybe there's some hope for depth at the tight end position. Delaney Walker? Delaney Walker will be back next year. Everybody kind of forgot Delaney Walker broke his ankle in week one. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. killed the position, too. I mean, because he was a a stalwart, like, eighth, ninth round pick this year. Mm -hmm. No, you're you're absolutely right. There is a chance that that position, and I think this was the worst case scenario for for this season, where Gronkowski was terrible, where Olsen got hurt, where Delaney got hurt. Also got hurt. Where twice. Henry got yeah. hurt. Right. So uh, it should. Be, I mean, I don't I mean, know how it couldn't be deeper. It should be deeper next. It season. should be deeper. Uh, question though: Would you guys rather take? Would you take productive yet injury prone Jordan Reed or healthy and unproductive Jordan Reed? Which which, <laughs> which one do you? Guys? I don't know. <laughs> right. Because we got we got mostly healthy. Yeah. Yet very unproductive what do we Jordan get? Reed. 13, 14 year. games from him and uh, not much. And uh, and not much in the way of production. No. Uh, another name that may or may not be there next year, still mulling things over, is Larry Fitzgerald, who I've been through fifteen seasons, most of them really outstanding. This year. Like most of his Cardinals teammates, it left something to be desired. But he says he's still deciding whether or not he's going to come back for year 16. Cliff Kingsbury is there now. Hopefully this new dynamic offense and this new passing game is coming with him. If Larry Fitzgerald comes back, I mean, Fabs, are you taking kind of a mid to late round shot? Because I feel like he's, a, he's definitely a, a kind of later round guy at this point. Are you taking a shot at him? I think Christian Kirk goes ahead of him in most drafts. I think so. Right? I think so. Too. I mean, I think so. You, you go with the upside and Fitzgerald... There was a time earlier in his career where we kind of thought it was it was coming to an end statistically, and then he rebounded and had several good seasons in a row. The guy's going to the Hall of Fame. There's no question about that. But with with Rosen under center, we expect Rosen to be under center. There's been some chatter that you know he could be traded, whatever the case may be. I don't think that's going to happen. But um, 
if Fitzgerald does come back and, and currently he's not under contract, uh, he is going to end up being one of those late round flyer guys that you take as maybe your fourth wide receiver. Uh, Christian Kirk is the future there. And he showed a very good rapport with Rosen when the two were out there uh, this past season during during their rookie campaigns. I mean, when it was all said and done, and mostly because of his availability, Larry Fitzgerald still led the Cardinals in receiving this year. I mean, he, he had the most catches. Uh, he had the most yards. Now, mind you, just 69 receptions, 734 yards, well down from what we're used to seeing for Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. But we know, Graham, when he's on the field, he's still a reliable option. He's still trustworthy for whoever the quarterback is. The Cardinals better hope Fitz comes back because if they don't, I mean, it's Christian Kirk and then and nothing. nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. Yep. It's Chad Williams, Trent Sherfield, who kind of <laughs> came on late in the year, late just, the year just because of Christian Kirk's injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cardinals, I mean, they, they've. They have so much to fix. I mean, because obviously the offensive line is is priority number one they're, for this group. Well, their their offensive line has been bad since Carson Palmer was there. Right in 2015. I mean, that was that was one of the things holding back their their kind of championship run. That mm-hmm. their offensive line has been bad. It's, it's, they basically yeah. punted on it. Steve Kime has basically punted on it for mm-hmm. every year since then. It's amazing how quickly things can change in the NFL. I mean, just a few seasons ago, the Cardinals were yeah, contenders. Mm-hmm. And now uh, I thought they're, they're going to be bottom feeders. I thought they'd win the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, they, they were they were on the way. It looked I mean, like Pat Pete was healthy there. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone was healthy. That they year. were on their yep. way. Certainly. Yep. Uh, last name on this list. I like how you put this name on there, by the way. Adam Vinatieri. Right? Hey. I don't want to get into this whole thing about, you know, kickers and fantasy or whatever. They're here. We're using them. We're talking about Adam Vinatieri. The guy has been money for so long. Obviously, things didn't quite work out for him with the Colts against the Chiefs in the snow. I know Raider fans were salty that he's finally missing snow kicks uh, <laughs> against teams that are not the Raiders. But whatever. Fabs, I know we, we look at, at kickers, and I think for a lot of people, you know, you look at when you draft your kicker, it a lot of times is sort of based on name value, right? I mean, people don't necessarily do that much research into them. So I feel like if Adam Vinatieri comes back and, and he says he's not done playing yet, He's still going to be a guy who gets drafted regardless of where he is because people are just going to see the name and say, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, Lee. Click, and, and he's going to go. Because age doesn't matter at the kicker position, obviously. I mean, if you guys watch the games, I mean, he had the white beard going on. I oh, mean, man. you know, this guy. I was just about to say, the only reason I would draft him is for the beard. That's <laughs> yeah, believable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so good. It that, that, that's like some Ken Stabler stuff. It's, there, like, I mean. it's like a, he looks like a, I don't know. Well, it's like he and Frank Riker having a beard off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And actually, Vinatieri's beard is more white <laughs> than, than Frank Reich's it's like, beard. It's like they have like two philosophers on their on their team right? between Reich and Vinatieri. <laughs> I mean, the the kicker position, and I know there's people out there who don't like it. I, I love playing kickers. I, hey, Kaimi Fairbairn helped me win a, a league this season. Justin Tucker's helped me win a bunch of leagues uh, over the past several seasons. And I, I still like having – I like – trying to project these guys it's almost impossible sometimes but it's true it's a streaming position it's just like defense right. and so that you know that that's why even after Fairbairn had such a good season uh you know these guys aren't getting drafted until the late rounds so Vinatieri won't get drafted until late if he gets drafted at all he's a streamer for me uh much like a lot of these kickers out there all right so We'll keep an eye on some of these guys, see whether or not they retire, and uh, you know, we'll talk about them next year if they are back and part of the, the whole mix next year. Uh, before we get out of here, want to do some playoff challenge stuff, some uh, daily fantasy picks as well. But I want to let you know, 
Speaking of the playoffs, you can stream every NFL playoff game live on your mobile or tablet through the NFL or Yahoo Sports app. So if you are out and about this weekend during the championship games, you don't have to miss out. You can uh, just you know pull out the phone and uh, take a look. Hopefully you're somewhere appropriate. If not, uh, you know, be good at hiding. Whatever. Anyway, check it out. NFL or Yahoo Sports app. You can check it out uh, streaming live. Playoff challenge. Uh, at this point, I went. I, I kind of went bold trying to go Chargers, see if I can get that leg up. But uh, obviously that didn't work out. So now I'm I'm on the Chiefs and Saints. And I just, at this point, I don't see any other real. I mean, I guess you could go with the Rams, but... The two, yeah, I mean, the two highest scoring offenses are still yeah, I mean, playing right now. The, dude, the, this is going to be fun. The four best teams in the NFL yeah, the are four, still alive. It's the four top teams in points per game. You yeah. can you can make an argument for all of these teams going to the Super Bowl. The Patriots, would it be a surprise if it beat the Chiefs? No. Would it be a surprise if the Rams beat the Saints? No, wouldn't be. These teams are all elite teams, which is going to make the Super Bowl so much fun. I've had all Chiefs and Zeke Elliott right from the wild card round. So, of course, I have to replace Zeke. That one hurt. Um, I'm putting in Damian Williams because I've been all in on Chiefs and Saints ever since this whole thing started. Why not? Why not? So I think I would imagine at this point most people probably going Chiefs and Saints, maybe some Rams uh, sprinkled in there for good measure. But, uh, yeah, that's a playoff challenge. Uh, Daily Fantasy, our value pick of the week. I went Cordero Patterson. Just I just have this feeling. Hey. It just feels like this is a the, this is the kind of game where you know if you are the Chiefs, you're you're trying to figure out you know how do we make sure we stop Julian Edelman? How do we stop Gronk? How do we how do we lock down on James White and or Sony Michelle? And this is when you know Bill Belichick starts running jet sweeps to Cordero Patterson. That's when they give him little dump offs or whatever. Uh, I would think you know. It, there may not be a ton of opportunities, but Patterson has the opportunity to be a big play guy, and I would be willing to just kind of make a dart throw at Cordell Patterson this week. Yeah, I'm digging on Ted Ginn. Um, Michael Thomas had all the targets All this of week, them. But Ginn was second with seven, and I like the matchup, uh, potentially lining up against Aqib Tlaib in this one, and um, Ginn is someone who can take the top off of defense. He's like that great best ball play, and I think he's worth a shot in what should be a, a ridiculously high-scoring game. I don't know what the number is for this game, but it's got to be high. Yeah. I'm going to stay on the Saints, too, to Fabs' point and kind of target Mark Ingram a little bit this mm-hmm. week. Um, Rams obviously have a very poor run defense. In, I, I mean, during the regular season, they had a very poor run defense. Obviously came off a great game against Zeke. But Ingram has scored over five more fantasy points per game at home. Mm-hmm. We're expecting points for, in New Orleans. I think Ingram's kind of a fun little bet for a for a touchdown or two. Yeah. Yeah. Not uh, not a bad pick. By the way, Marcus, so uh, have you seen three identical strangers yet? I have not. I it's so on my list of things to watch. If you're out there and it's raining and you're you're bored, uh it is good. I watched it last night and the story is amazing. It, it is amazing. You can you can go on Amazon, check it out. Graham, I'm t- yeah, it's on my list. It's on, on my list of things to. I, I mean, I know it's completely out of left field here, but like, <laughs> unbelievable story and a heartbreaking story and something that uh, I think everyone w- would sort of enjoy. Just to, just as a as a piece of a piece of art, the, the film is is tremendous and and the story is it's nothing short of unbelievable. Right. It really is. It's, it is now on my list. Yeah, there put it go. on your list, man. It's so good. Sounds good. So that's it. We are done. We appreciate you listening as always. Remember, tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, when life gives you lemons, squirt someone in the eye. We'll see you next week. <laughs>
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.